Uh, we think recurring revenue is a little bit overrated. Um, and our revenue, I think, is very predictable. People are getting sued at the same rate every month. They have been for decades. Uh, so our, we, we consider our revenue to be very predictable, even though it isn't technically like monthly recurring revenue. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is George Simons. He started Solo Suit in his first year of law school when he needed an attorney but couldn't find one. He graduated with his JD and MBA from BYU in his spare time, and he loves to cook because he loves to eat. Now helping people fight debt collectors again at solosuit.com. George, you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, happy to be right. here. So what does this look like? Like, who, who is the main sort of consumer you're, you're supporting to help fight debt collectors? Yeah, the main person that we we help are people that are that are being sued for debt lawsuit, right? So when somebody gets sued for debt, uh, they get on Google or or YouTube and they search how do I respond to debt collection lawsuit, and then they find uh, solo suit in those search results. And then we walk them through the process and uh, give them the help they need. But is this is this a particular kind of debt, like a home mortgage they're laid on, or credit card debt, or something else, or what? Uh, yeah, t- ten million people are sued for debt every year in the U.S. Nine million of them automatically lose their case because they can't figure out how to respond. Uh, so we're targeting those nine million people and make it easier to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, and that said, usually most people that are coming to us, uh, they're in credit card credit card debt. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess how do you help them? Yeah, um, let's say somebody's being sued for like thirty seven hundred dollars in debt. That's the our, our average is actually forty seven hundred dollars. Um, they'll come to our site, they walk through our, our process, they can generate their response document to respond to the lawsuit uh, for free on our website. Then they pay us to have an attorney review the document and then to file the document for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, without, before solo suit, they're just being sued. They're going to lose their lawsuit automatically because they can't figure out how to respond. Then when they find solo suit, um, they're able to respond properly uh, in their within their deadline and block the lawsuit. And then usually um, around like 60%, even more of the time, customers' cases get dismissed and they, uh, they actually win their case just by filing an answer. And, and so what does, what, what do they have to pay you to file that and review it? Uh, 197 bucks. Okay. No matter what, if it's a hundred grand in debt versus a hundred bucks in debt, it's still yeah, that's right. we bucks. just have a, currently we just have a flat, flat rate business model. Um, price subject to change, but right now it's they pay us one hundred ninety-seven dollars. Fair disclosure, I like that. That's creative. Okay, when did you when did you start cranking on this thing? When did you write the first line of code? Uh, we officially launched in twenty eighteen uh, when I was a law student, and then SolarSuit was just a free service uh, for until people what year? in twenty eighteen. Uh, until twenty nineteen, it was totally free, uh, and then in twenty nineteen. Uh, still, when I was in school, we found that filing a legal document is insanely difficult. Uh, people, even once they generated their document on our site, 
Uh, a lot of people didn't file because it was just too hard to file a document in court. Uh, so we offered a filing service, paid filing service in 2019. And then I went full-time on the project once I graduated in April uh, 2020, right after the COVID shutdowns. Mm-hmm. And then, so, I mean, give me a sense of scale, right? How many, I guess, lawsuits should you process in 2020? Uh, lawsuits processed in 2020. Um, you know, good question. I'm not super sure. Right now, we, uh, let me see. At the moment, we've done over, we've helped over 22,000 people. And we've helped protect over $100 million from predatory debt lawsuits. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? You've helped 22,000 22, or 2,200? Yeah, it's uh, 22,000 people have made uh, accounts with SoulSuit. Got it. I imagine everyone who makes an account, though, doesn't actually file paperwork. How many have you actually like filed and saved the $100 million for? Um, I, I don't have that number top of mind. Why don't you? I mean, isn't that like the number one thing you're tracking in terms of success rate? How do you not have that number? Oh, yeah. um, I have the accounts that we've that people have made uh, accounts that people have made with our with our service, and then uh, how much money we're saving them on each uh, debt lawsuit. But you, but you don't save them money unless they actually file. Like, have you review, pay you the fee, and you help them file? Correct. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, like currently we help uh, like four hundred. Paying customers month. So we're done. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Okay. So you have like, so I mean, can I take 400 times 12 last year? I mean, you helped what, 4,000 or so during COVID, you know, fight back against debt lawsuits? If, if I don't have the uh, aggregate, aggregate number top of mind. Okay. But right now, your run rate is you know, like 400, 400 in October. That's right. Interesting. Now, is there a model here where you can go from, I mean, obviously getting one, you know, 197 bucks, 400 times a month is what, 80,000 bucks in revenue, but it's really hard for you to like, hire people and build a real company unless you have revenue you can sort of like plan on. So is there a model here where it can turn into recurring or no, not really? Um, you, you know, this might sound absolutely bonkers these days. Uh, we think recurring revenue is a little bit overrated. Um, and our revenue, I think, is very predictable. People are getting sued at the same rate every month. They have been for decades. Uh, so our, we we consider our revenue to be very predictable, even though it isn't technically like monthly recurring revenue. Okay, got it. So you feel like, I mean, look, by the way, the only reason SaaS is a popular business model is because it's predictable revenue. So you can make investments. I, I don't care if it's called SaaS or not, but point being is you can't build solo suit and build other products you want to build without knowing where your money's coming from next month. Your argument is it, it might be a different 400 people, but you're always going to have 400, 500, 600 people coming to you every month. That's exactly right. Yeah. Interesting. How are you getting those 400 to you? Is it all an SEO play? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, nearly 100% of our customers come to us from uh, SEO. Uh, focus on ranking first on Google search and YouTube search. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the like your top keyword that brings you the most new customers? Um, you know, pretty predictably, it's like how to respond to a debt collection lawsuit. So, like, if I go, well, that's a long search. What do people actually type into Google? Uh, oftentimes, they type in like just that, yeah, like the respond to debt collection lawsuit or, or like debt collection lawsuit or how to respond. Uh, we focus on like the long tail keywords as a lot of people do um, because it's people that are further along in their decision-making process that will search like the longer tail keywords. Yeah, that's great. No, I, just typed, I just typed in debt collection lawsuit response and under all the ads, you guys come up number first, how to answer a summons for debt collection. Yep. Not paying um, anything for it underneath, underneath all the ads. That's where we want to be. 
Yeah, exactly. How did you get so good at SEO? I mean, you were a, like a, a lawyer. Um, yeah, I actually... Um, how did I get good at SEO? Do you, you know, do it or one, do you hire someone? Um, I, we, we do it. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a crazy story. During one summer before law school, I figured, you know, I'm just going to take crazy Craigslist jobs and see what kind of crazy job I can get off of Craigslist. And I sifted through a lot of scams, a lot of just like bizarre jobs. There's this one lady who wanted help like moving her trampoline. Uh, and then I found a lot of people were, were searching for content writers on Craigslist. Um, pretty bottom of the barrel content writing gigs. I uh, took some of those and got interested in like writing content. And then from there, I worked with another Y Combinator company doing content uh, for them. And I think that's probably where I got most of my um, training. Yeah, they had a great uh, SEO marketing channel and really learned how they were doing it. And then from there, applied that. Which to channel is that? So my listeners can go learn too. Um, the, uh, the, the, the company I was working for was Simple Citizen. They, they just have a... They used SEO very well to drive revenue. Okay, got it. But I thought you said there was a channel you watched where you learned. Um, I mean, no, I mean, Simple Citizen's... One of their channels for acquiring customers was SEO. Oh, I see. Got one it, one got of the got marketing it. channels, yeah. They got don't it. provide like tutorials or anything. So what, how many folks are on your team today? Uh, we're just a team of six. Oh, I love that. That's very cool. Okay. And so what's the split? Like, what's the, how many engineers? Uh, we have two engineers. And then we have a few people on operations. So people that are doing, uh, like, actually, like, helping file the orders that come in. Uh, and then okay, I'm so doing it's not all automated. There, there's some manual work. Yep, totally. This is the biggest mistake SaaS founders make, especially when they start thinking about exiting, raising, or doing a secondary. They go, Nathan, I want to do it like in two months. Can we get going? Folks, doing a successful exit or a raise at a really high valuation or a secondary that personally gets you a bunch of capital, it all starts like 12 months prior to when you want to do it. So it starts by sending out monthly updates to advisors, investors, potential teammates, etc. But you got to get going early on to build trust. When they receive a monthly update from you, it builds that trust. And you want these to be succinct, tight, and to the point. We started doing these over a year ago with FounderPath, and we get incredible response rates from them to the, to the point where we even publish them publicly. And so they're doing really well. That's when we decided, you know what, we need to help founders do this more effectively at scale. Now, I don't have time to build software for this, but Axios HQ has done an incredible job with this. As you know, Axios is a media brand. They now have a SaaS tool for helping you send internal communications to internal stakeholders, team members, advisors, and investors. And they power it using this thing called smart brevity. So you get templates on how to write these. It's quick and to the point, And they help you get it out to optimize for your team or investors or advisors getting excited about the business. This is the easiest way to build trust so that when you're ready to raise or ready to sell, you have a massive pipeline of people banging down your door. Go ahead and try Axios HQ today by going to nathanlacka.com forward slash Axios. That's nathanlacka.com forward slash A-X-I-O-S. In terms of growth rate, I mean, if you're doing like 400 new customers a month today, do you remember where you were a year ago? What was a year ago? November uh, twenty twenty. Um, yeah, I think we were we were publicly doing. We were on startup. We were on TechCrunch startup battlefield. 
last year around that time, and we were doing fifteen thousand revenue. No, no. I mean, how many? Do you remember how many customers that you were? I mean, I guess I can take fifteen thousand divided by one seventy nine. So what is that? You were doing like eighty, ninety responses yeah. per month. Yeah, I don't remember exactly how many customers we were doing, but that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've, it sounds like more than four x, which is great. So, so yeah. um, it sounds you've mentioned YC, you mentioned disrupt. So, have you raised capital? Yeah, we raised money. We went through Y Combinator um, the beginning of this year, and we've done uh, what we call seed round. And how much did you raise? Uh, we've raised less than a million so far. Okay, why do you need the capital? I mean, why do you need to raise for something like this? Why not just keep it, print money for yourself, get rich? Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly could have done that. I think uh, raising money in my mind is a form of de-risking uh, a venture. Uh, I think some people think that it like increases the risk, but for us, it, I see it as like a form of de-risking. And it's why is that? A lot of, um, be, because it allows for more of like a uh, a cushion for the team, and it increases our runway, and also allows us to grow faster as well. I think it's both but, 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 but doesn't it doesn't mean you actually you have to grow faster i mean doesn't it make you just go faster either up or faster down it actually decreases your ability to do something long term I, I don't think so no i don't i i don't believe that is what happens necessarily um i think a lot of people raise money and then they feel like they have to spend that money uh quickly um i think that's oftentimes the pressure that people put on themselves unless unless it's like a later stage raise where they're giving up uh control of the company with a board seat or something like that i think in early in early stage fundraising i think that uh, the founders maintaining control of the company if they want to spend that money really fast then they they can or otherwise they can uh spend it slower to do more controlled growth we certainly like controlled growth, but the second you take a dollar, you are like officially on the VC track. And so if you're not raising every 12 to 18 months, the market's going, what the hell's wrong with these people? What's going on? There must be something wrong with them. Sure. I, you know, I think there's companies out there that have raised money and then gone silent for years. And name, name a couple or name one. <laughs> um, I think uh, uh, Zapier comes to mind. I'm not super familiar with their background, but I believe Zapier followed a path like where they raised the Series A. And then I think they were kind of quiet for a while and they have multi-billion dollar valuation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not fact-checking myself, but I think that's the situation. No, that, that, that is one good model. It's just it's one in 10,000. Um, so like the likelihood, like one, one thing I always wonder getting in the heads of founders like you is like the likelihood of building like a five to $10 million business. Uh, that's a great lifestyle for you where you can like print money, get rich, do what you want. It's way easier to do that than it is to go build the next Zapier. Right or the flip side of Zapier is to go build the next like company that raises two hundred million in IPOs for you know two billion. Right, it's just there's less likelihood you can execute that. Interesting. Yeah, it's a fair point. Um, I think on the other hand, I think uh, raising money has also been great for at the same time allowing us to grow faster than we would have normally, mm -hmm. allowing us to make like preemptive hires. Yep. Yep. No, that's fair. That's fair. So, okay, six folks on the team today, uh, a million bucks raised, pre-seed round. Um, what, what's who's the next hire going to make? Uh, next hire is more engineers. And what kind of code will you be building? Uh, I mean, can you automate some of this filing stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah. Most of the filing stuff's already automated. Um, what we're doing is we are, uh, according to my knowledge, like the first and only company that uh, is, is compiling uh, 
like a software stack that allows us to calculate uh, the filing information uh, for different courts and then to file in those courts. There's hmm. thousands of courts. And like Nobody actually knows how many courts there are in the U.S. Uh, our estimate is there's like 10 to 30,000 courts in the U.S. and we are um, quickly becoming the company that can file in all of those courts. How do you feel about this? And this might be slightly controversial, but I mean, if someone went out and spent unrealistically and put five grand on their credit card that they cannot afford and they're getting sued, I mean, shouldn't don't they owe that money? Why would you want to help them get out of that? Shouldn't they pay that back? They spent the money. Uh, yeah, for for a few reasons. So one, we aren't necessarily we we aren't the judge, right? Soul suit is not the judge. Uh, we are empowering consumers to get access to justice in courts. And it's still up to the court to decide what like justice is. But there is a huge power asymmetry, just mind-blowing power asymmetry in the debt collection lawsuits currently. And we are, we are seeking to even the playing fields. Uh, it's like in the news, I think we oftentimes think of lawsuits that we hear about where an individual is going and suing like a multi-billion dollar corporation, right? Like you have a customer that sues McDonald's. But what we don't oftentimes hear about as much is where these multi-billion dollar corporations are actually suing a lone consumer, right? So like we have customers that are being sued by Discover Bank, right? It's like Nancy Smith is no, no, going George, I, I, get, I get all of that. I get my yeah. point is if Nancy Smith spent money, she knew she didn't have, she's contractually signed a credit card agreement. Why don't these, these people should, the people should pay what they spent. I mean, that's like, why shouldn't they be sued? Uh, I'm totally fine with them being sued. Uh, they have a right to fight back. And I think regardless of whether or not she owes that money, uh, we are very happy to provide her the support that she needs to get access to justice in court and to like fight for her own rights in court. I, I'm just trying to understand what, what grounds would anyone have to stand on if they spent money they can't pay back to the bank. To me, that feels like what you're doing is effectively empowering. There is a power imbalance. You're empowering consumers, but it's something just feels wrong to me. If someone signed and basically said, yes, I'll pay this money back, they buy whatever they buy, and then they don't, banks should sue them all day long. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what, what happens here oftentimes that we see is uh, because of the power asymmetry, there's a lot of underhanded moves from the debt collectors. There's a lot of ways that they throw in additional money that the customer doesn't actually owe. Oh, so I see. For, I see. for starters, for starters, the uh, according to Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, about 50% of people that are sued for debt say they're being sued for debt they don't owe. So like they legit say, I don't even owe this debt at all. 0% of this debt do I owe. They're suing the wrong person or the debt's fabricated. Uh, anything along those lines. And then on top of that, so that's, that's for starters, 50% of people are being stupid at the bill. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. And then on top of that, uh, debt collectors will add on uh, attorney's fees uh, that oftentimes can be uh, overly expensive. Um, so like these attorney's fees range from like $300 up to, I've seen administrative slash attorney's fees in the range of $9,000. Mm-hmm. Just to file a uh, just to file a complaint in court. Uh, mm-hmm. That's charging too much in these attorney's fees. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this, isn't necessary, that, this isn't necessarily in the bank. And the bank is pacing, like panning off this bad debt to a debt collector who's trying to get 10 cents on the dollar and they keep X right. and the bank gets like something lower. It's really the person in between the bank and the consumer. 
Yeah, yeah, they might do that. The bank, the bank can add on attorney's fees as well. Um, the either the debt collector or the original creditor can add on these attorney's fees and bring the lawsuit. Okay. Um, so that's added on, and then also there's like huge amounts of post judgment interest. Uh, so if you lose the lawsuit, then you have to pay post judgment interest, which is like super high. Oftentimes, like five to ten percent, as far yeah. as I uh, as far as I know. Well, I love fighting um, back against all those things. That that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So those fees those fees add up. Uh, add up quickly. Yep. Yep. Very cool, man. All right. Well, this is good stuff. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh, favorite business book. Um, well, I'd probably go back to classics. Go, go to Seven Habits, Stephen Covey. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? <sighs> CEO that I'm following or studying. Um, Yes, there definitely is. Um, I mean, I think about Ryan Smith at Qualtrics quite a bit. He's here from Utah as well. Yep. Um, definitely like what he did with Qualtrics. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building solo suit? Uh, probably Ahrefs is what I come to the most. Uh, big fan of Ahrefs for like SEO uh, research. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I get lots of sleep. Um, I definitely... How many hours, George? I get eight to nine. Okay, fair. And situation, married, single kids? Uh, married with one child, just turned one this week. Oh, that's super exciting. Congratulations, man. Yeah. Oh, how old are you? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm old enough that I kind of forget how old I am. I think I'm 32. 32. What do you mean? That's not old. Come on. 32. <laughs> Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Wow. Uh, the entrepreneurship wasn't lame. <laughs> I was not into entrepreneurship when I was 20. Coming from a lawyer, he's much cooler now that he's building his own thing. <laughs> Guys, there you have it. Solosuit.com, helping consumers fight back, uh, You know, really evening the power imbalance between banks and credit card owners who are being sued for call it debt that they may or may not actually owe. They're processing on average 400, uh, 400 of these cases per month. They charge uh, 197 per case. So call it 80,000 bucks a month in revenue up from 15,000 a month just a year ago. More importantly though, again, have a vision for sort of uh, continuing to empower these folks. The number one growth channel, SEO and inbound. We'll see where they go next after they've raised, they just raised here a $1 million pre-seed round to hire more people team of six today. George, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan.